Well, good morning, church. My name is Austin. I am one of the pastors here. And we, if you're joining us for the first time, we just started a series called Lifeline, uh, which is a series on prayer. Uh, and we really believe over Lent we want to refocus ourselves on prayer because as a community, we are a praying community. Uh, we are a worship community that prays together, that responds together. But a lot of times we've talked about this is what do you do when you pray? Like, I don't know if for how you were taught, but uh, for me, maybe it was getting on the side of the bed, kneeling, hands folded together, and then you just pray something, right? Um, but for a lot of us, prayer is something that we don't fully know how to do or what it entails or what we should or shouldn't pray. And so this series, we're talking about what are we praying? How do we pray? And we're taking it straight out of the words of Jesus. And I was, I was prepping for this, and we've been talking about this as a staff a lot. There was a question that was posed in, in a book that I was reading um, called Praying Like Monks, Monks Living Like Fools. It said this, And I'm posing it to you, this question, and to even you kids as well. If God would answer all of your requests for one week, what would you pray for? If God was often like just going to say yes to whatever you prayed for for an entire week, what would you pray for? Like anybody? What would you pray for? Yeah. If you were to come back. Yeah, Lauren. For sure. Right? There's this battle. I love between this two, the two shout out answers is the battle between like what you want and what like you desire. So for me, like personally, like we've been praying um, for a house. We've been praying for a job. These are the things that we've been praying for. But when God, when Jesus says to his disciples, how should I pray? He starts with something interesting. After he says that we should be praying to the father, he says we should be praying about a kingdom, about the kingdom. But what is our MO often? Our MO is often like, God, um, I need this. I need that. Would you have this person like me? Right? Could I get this promotion? But we want to talk about today, like if we were really going to pray and that God was going to open up his power upon us to answer the prayers, what are we praying? And so this morning, I want you to turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 6. We're in the same passage we were last week, the same passage we're going to be in for the next four weeks. It's Matthew chapter 6. It's in the middle of Jesus' teaching, his first teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and it starts this in verse 9. It says this. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our doubts our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we all pray in different ways, yet you taught your disciples to pray this way. And so God, I come to you wanting to be more like you. But over anything that I could ask and anything that I want, that ultimately I just want you. I want you because I think you have the answers to life. I want you because the love that you offer me 
is different than anything else a person or this world could offer. And God, I know that sometimes my life doesn't reflect that, that our lives don't reflect that. But God, look at us. We're here. We have come to be with you. In the midst of our friends and our families, our community, but God, we have come for you. So God, see your people. Send your Holy Spirit. Would you remind us that you are fully in love with us and that you've come so that we might have life. God, we ask this in your Son's mighty name. Amen. Church, right when Jesus starts, says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we said for like the last year, this, this phrase came up a lot. And I don't know, we had talked about it as a staff, but it just started coming up that God, that your will be done here in Sammamish as it is in heaven. Like our desire as a church is that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven that it would come here in this place, in this church, in this surrounding area, that we would be reflections of the kingdom of God come here, present in this place. And that is one of the most incredible ways that I think if we formed in prayer is this one thought. That it's yours, not mine. That right before, like God wants to hear our prayers. We see a Psalms full of David's heart longing out. And I want to tell you that your prayers for like what you are desiring and what you want is good. But it comes later. Right? That Jesus says, hey, when we come to prayer and we come to speak to the Father who is in heaven and his name is so holy and set apart, the first thing we want to do is to say, God, it is yours and not mine. To remind ourselves that, God, I am a disciple of you. I am a disciple of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I have found and I am following Jesus. It is yours and not mine. Talk about one of the most countercultural ways that you can engage your discipleship is in this one part beginning in the content of what we are about to pray. That you get the recipient right, right? You get that you're talking to the Father. You're talking to, to the Holy Spirit. You're talking to the Son. You're talking to the God, the Trinity. And you're speaking to the right person. And then the content of it is this formation in your heart that it's yours and not mine. Oh, man. What a way to disciple and apprentice after Jesus. And in the same way that he is speaking to the Father, Jesus there is saying, your will not mine. And so we come as disciples and apprentices of Jesus is focusing on the prayer that Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray because his disciples were just like you and I. He was like, Jesus, if you just did this, everything would be different. If you would just do this, everything would be accomplished. If you could do this, everything, everybody around him, We always have this pull towards what we want and what we need, and that is good. It's not wrong. But in this moment, right when Jesus starts, he says, one of the most practical discipleship um, opportunities for you is to shift yourself from mine to yours. It's not my kingdom, my empire. It's your kingdom. Your will be done, not my will be done. God, I think that sometimes we have really good ideas. 
but they're not always God ideas. That we have a really good will to see certain things happen, but they are your will, my will, but they're not your will. And so we always check ourselves. We always check ourselves that your will be done, not my will be done. And that's not just from Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, that he just said, here is a five-finger prayer method, now you guys do this. Disciples, ladies and gentlemen, you pray like this. And then Jesus has some other prayers that he prays that we just don't know about. We got to see this in action. In the Garden of the Gethsemane, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus literally prays the same way he taught his disciples to pray. He said this, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, behind, beside his disciples, Peter, James, and John, who were, who were back there waiting for him. And he knelt down and he prayed. What did he teach his disciples to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done. And what does he say? Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, in the moment he is asking for this horrific death, the death that will cause for sin to be broken, for relationships to be restored to the Father, that we would be now not separated from God, that we are one for God, this horrible death that he does not deserve, he is asking. But being fully human, fully divine, he's asking this, God, will you take this from me? How many of you have asked that and prayed out to God, would you take this from me? But then, he remembers exactly how he has always prayed and how he has taught his disciples to pray. He sits and submits himself to the Father saying, not my will be done, but your will be done. As disciples, as followers of Jesus, Jesus is not telling you to pray something he has not prayed. So when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you are praying in the exact same way that Jesus, the Savior, who came and died for you so that you might have a relationship with him, is not praying something that you don't know or don't have access to. He is praying the same thing for you. So when you pray the Lord's Prayer, and if that's the only thing you pray, you should remind yourself that you're praying the same way that Jesus prayed. And that's good enough. Because sometimes you might say, like, I've memorized that, and I mean, some of you have memorized that, the whole Lord's Prayer, and you might, is that enough of a prayer? Can I tell you, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. Can I say this for anybody that struggled with praying, from kids to adults, from 9 to 99? or over 100 now, um, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. Can I just tell you that? If you're struggling with praying and all you pray is the Lord's Prayer, guess what? Good job. You're praying the very words of Jesus in your own life. Your will be done, yours not mine. So what does that look like? What is this your kingdom, your, your will be done? Like what does that look like for us at Pine? Like what does it actually mean when we say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. What are we saying? 
Well, I think the thing that we really need to talk about, two things, just really quickly and really like just forward and poignant, is when we talk about the kingdom, the kingdom of God is a growing kingdom, both in population and in character. When you're praying that, God, your will be done, your kingdom come, you're praying that this kingdom that you want to participate in, this relationship with God and the king that you want to participate and you want to know and you want to love, is you say, your kingdom come, which means we are growing in population and in citizenship and in character. Because we have a good king. We have a good king who wants to see the kingdom grow. He is always about growing. Jesus is not stagnant. He is not in decline. Like, I don't know what you've been hearing or what you've been reading about the church in decline, but I'll tell you something. My Lord, my Savior, my King is never in decline. He is always growing. So don't fool yourselves or be fooled that the, that the king who is in control of the kingdom is somehow in decline and not reigning anymore. He is growing. And in this conversation that we have with him in prayer, that your kingdom come is saying that I don't want to believe the lies that your kingdom is shrinking, but it is growing. And I want to participate in my personal life on how that kingdom is growing. Because you see this? You know how Jesus said, I, I pray that you become like children. To enter into the kingdom of heaven, you need to become like children. Because here's one thing that I think I really want us to know. When we talk about growing the kingdom, yes, we're talking about, about the kingdom growing, and we want to see people come to know Jesus. It's like, at the, it's like kids at the playground, if they would act like adults. Is that when they would go into a room, they'd pick one person, and they'd be like, I'll be friends with you, and that's enough. Out of all like the 40 or 50 kids in first grade, second grade, third grade, I just need one and that's it. Could you imagine Jesus who just walked into this room and maybe took two people and be like, I'm good. Thanks, the rest of you can go. But kids are always like, man, I want to keep, to, I want a new friend all the time. Oh, you're my new friend? Now then you're my friend and you're my friend. Like if you meet my kids, they're going to call you friends before you even know your friends. Good job. Way to go. But like they always want more friends. They can't stop. They can't settle. They're not just like, man, I just want maybe one friend or two friends. But how many times often is we as adults like, mm, I, got a, I got my person. How many times have you like seen that phrase on TV like, I got my person? Do you have your person? Can you imagine if Jesus only had his person? Oh my goodness. He wouldn't need 12 disciples. He wouldn't need one. But see, the thing is, like, Jesus is saying, like, it is always growing, that the kingdom of God is always growing, that God hasn't settled for just being content. And this is what I'm saying really hard as a church, is that sometimes we come to church and we look around and we say, you know what? This is good enough. I don't really want a lot of new people. I don't want to have to get to know new people. Like, I don't want it to feel crowded. I want to be able to find my parking spot. Mm, I don't really want to have to, like, go and say, hey, could you scoot over so I can sit? Can we all squish in? We get so content because we're okay with a God. And Jesus says, this is good enough. God wants to see his kingdom grow. Not because he wants to show himself off, just be like, 
or, or for us to say at Pine Lake that we're growing because we somehow get a puffed up shoulder that we have cornered the market of what it looks like to find and follow Jesus. No, but we want to participate in a kingdom that says, I don't want to grow our empire here at Pine Lake. I want to grow the kingdom because I'm going to say this. If the kingdom is growing, Pine Lake is growing. If the kingdom of God is growing, then Pine Lake is growing because we have decided and the church has decided that we are going to be a part of a kingdom that is always growing. And so thus we're not satisfied with just where we are, that we want to see more people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want to see the Pine Lake grow so that our budget gets bigger and we can do fancier, bigger and badder things. I want to see the kingdom grow. And if that happens to be people saying, I have fallen in love with Jesus Christ and I have chosen to find and follow Jesus Christ and I choose to be here at Pine Lake, great. But if that is at Sammamish Prez, if that's at Sammamish Lutheran, if that's at Eastridge, if that's Timberlake, if that's some other church, I'm okay with that because I'm more... um, I'm more in tie with the kingdom of God growing and knowing that in some way Pine Lake's going to grow, but I might not know it, and I'm okay with that. To put my point a little bit further, Jesus says this, and he talks about the kingdom of heaven, often in, in parables. He says this, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it had worked through all of the dough. When we talk about the kingdom growing, when we talk about being a part of the kingdom, that God's will be done, that our heart, it's not our desire to say that God, the kingdom has grown in Pine Lake enough. It's like saying that the kingdom of heaven is like yeast where we just want it to grow through a certain amount of the dough and then it stops there. Could you imagine if yeast worked like that? You mix it in, and it only works enough to, and goes through as much as it wants. Because what would happen? You'd have some part of the dough that rises and some part of the dough that's like... And then you serve that to somebody, be like, here. People would be like, <laughs> what is this? Oh, well, it's kind of a representation of Jesus in the church. This is just enough, and now he doesn't care about this. It works through the whole dough. That not only do we want to see that Jesus tarries and hasn't come back yet because he wants more people to come into a relationship with him to understand his unconditional love, his full grace, full forgiveness, his, the fullness of being made new. So he tarries. And in just the way he wants it to work, the good news of the Jesus Christ to go through everything, he also wants to go through, not in just the number of people that come into relationship or are citizens of the kingdom, but also in the character of his people. I'm going to say this right now and plainly. If you are seeking to be a part of the kingdom of God, you can't be a jerk. Because to be a part of the kingdom is to represent the king. And that I know my king Jesus is not a jerk. So I'm wondering, my question, like, why are there so many jerk Christians out there? Why in the world are we so, like, un- I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why are we so ungracious when somebody cuts us off? Why are we so just in just holding down and just being a part of gossip and bitterness and anger and resentment and unforgiveness? 
Why as followers of Jesus, as the citizens of the kingdom and of the king and reflecting him, do we represent a Jesus who is other than who we are? Because maybe we actually like the yeast only growing through our only so much of our lives and say, stop here. That I can be a loving person, but I don't have to be a really grace-filled person. I can show mercy, but I'm not going to forgive. I am going to show up and be present, but I don't like to serve. That I will give maybe this or that, but I will for sure not wash feet. I won't take a low, humble position. Because we're saying when it comes to the kingdom that we say the characteristics of the king is supposed to be evident in the citizens of the kingdom. We say, oop, stop there, Jesus. But yet the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that works all through the dough. That means when we're growing as a part of the kingdom, that we're not only growing in people coming and finding and following Jesus, but what they're seeing as a part of discipleship is that us as disciples of Jesus, apprenticing after Jesus, looking like how we talk, live, think, and breathe like Jesus, that we become more and more like him and look like him. And so when people come and say, man, I want to, this Jesus that I read in the Bible looks awful a lot like the people that I meet at Pine Lake. That there's not this discontinuity between a grace-filled Jesus and a grace-filled people. Of a joyful Christ who comes to redeem all things and a joyful people that are so excited when the community of God gathers together to worship him. A God who wants to get to know, fall in love with his people, and then he sees a church that wants to get and fall in love in a relationship with the people that are men in the community. So we ask this question, where is the character of going? Because the character of Christ is what we're after. That even John said this. John, one of the beloved disciples, when he wrote his letter, he said this. If you know... I'm saying this to you, and Jesus is saying this to you. If you know, if you know that he, Jesus, is righteous, which means he lived the right way. Like, I have just had, maybe that's the question you need to answer first. Do you believe actually Jesus lived the right way? Because if you don't, let's talk. Because some of us might be confused. But if you know he is righteous, that he lived the right way, then you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness, that you and I, everyone that practices, practices, not perfect, you don't get it perfect. Let's get that out, right? That word that says practice makes perfect. Practice makes progress. Disciples, people in Sammamish, as we like talk about our culture, practice makes progress, not perfection that those who practice righteousness have been born of him. That you will be known as followers and disciples of Jesus, the citizens of the kingdom, as you practice the right way of living. In all ways. And so we look at that as Jesus, if Jesus lived the right way, that a part of prayer, a part of the Lord's prayer is to say right at the beginning, your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine, is to put yourself in reflection of Jesus. To say, I see the right way of living, and here's how I live. 
What is the distance between the way that I'm living and the way that Christ life lived? And not to say that I'm going to perfect it right now, but I'm in the progression of becoming more like him and that the yeast of the kingdom works through all of my life, not part of it. So the questions that we have for you today, the question, because we call ourselves a worshiping community, and a worshiping community responds to the way of Jesus. And we've been doing this uh, last week, as you'll see behind me, as we talked about the names of God and how you relate to him. What we're going to ask you to do is to relate in a different way, to respond in a different way, and to a couple questions. Who in your life, who in your life needs to know the good news of Jesus Christ? As we come to Easter, that question should burn in you because you once were on the other side of being in relationship with Jesus. And that someone who loved you very dearly was so convicted that you needed to know about this person, Jesus, that they offered themselves to help you understand, to learn, to be in relationship with Jesus. Who in your life doesn't know the good news and needs to hear it from you? And if you don't know anybody that needs to hear the good news, go to a bar. Go to your grocery store. Go to your work. I promise you, there's somebody. And then you pray this prayer. God, open my eyes to who you have for me to love, to share, to walk with, to show the way of Jesus. And then the other question. What characteristics of the king need to grow in your life? Where in your life have you said to the yeast, you can't go no further. What door have you closed in the characteristic of Jesus that you says, I don't want that. Too much grace. Too much forgiveness. Too much mercy. Too much reconciliation. None of that. Too much serving. I don't want that. Too much giving of my time, talents, and tithes. No, no, no. What characteristics that you look at the king, Jesus, who lived the right way and say, I need that. Trust me, I'm saying it in this weekend. For me. There are places that I need to grow. And so in a minute, we're going to invite you to respond in worship, in communion, together as one body, in worship and singing and praising God, but also in reflecting these questions that there are some teal tiles in the back. We're going to ask you to go, and I'm going to challenge you to do this. Linger. Linger with the question that's hard. Because you might know 30 people that you could write down, but you don't have one characteristic that you could write down. As followers of Jesus here at Pine Lake, we're not halfway Christians. We're not halfway followers of Jesus. We're holistic, fully devoted followers of Jesus. And so if you can answer one question and not the other, linger. You're not going to get a gold star or a check mark on your name because you answered just one.
You're not going to get two because you answered both. This is not about checking off and getting stars and getting 100% on your test. This is about becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus who finds and follows Jesus together. Will you pray with me? God, maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just you and not me. Maybe it's a reminder that you are actually God and I am not. Jesus, that you're the king of this kingdom and I am not. God, that your will and your way is better than my will and my way. God, that your story is written so much better than my story could ever be written by myself. So God, we submit to you as we pray a hard prayer. And if we're honest, one that we don't want to utter because it means less of me and more of you. And if I'm honest, I want more of me and less of you. I want self-gratification. I want to know that, that I am worthy of your love. I want to know that I can do enough to earn your love and your favor. But God, you are it. You started this whole thing and you're going to finish this whole thing. And when we stand before you, we're going to stand before Jesus, the King Jesus, no one else. And our eyes are going to be laden on a king who is good, who is loving, who says, come and be reunited with me, son and daughter of the Most High King. You're welcome in this place. So God, come. Change our hearts as we become more of you and less of us. Bless us in your name. Amen.